Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is episode number 71 and I'm your host Jonathan Miley. Recently I got to sit down with Chris Bryant, the programmer for Rad Raygun, a recent 2D platformer for the Xbox Indie Game channel. Questions for this interview were written by myself and John Fisco who reviewed the game for the site. Uh, if you want to find out anything more about the Darkcast, you can check out our website darkstation.com. There you'll find our news, reviews, features, and obviously the podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us, you can do that on iTunes uh, while you're there. Give us a review. Let us know what you think. And if you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at darkstation.com. So I just want to give another shout out to Chris Bryant and thank him for sitting down to talk to us about his new game. And I hope you enjoy the show. Away we go. So, Chris, uh, if you could actually just give us a quick explanation of what Rad Raygun is for those that don't know. Sure. Uh, Rad Raygun is uh, basically, it's, uh, it's my homage to the 8-bit era of gaming. Um, so, uh, it has uh, the color palette and resolution of the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of an old-style run-and-jump, uh, kind of like Mega Man. Um, but really, for me, it's just uh, a fun, laid-back game that's uh, that's just meant to uh, to kind of be an homage to uh, the '80s, you know, altogether. So, mm-hmm. um, as far as the backstory goes, um, the basically the the story takes place in the '80s, and uh, there's an evil robot called Medved that's trying to take over the world with communism, mm-hmm. and he's built an army of uh, communist robots that are taking over. Um, and, uh, there's a doctor, Dr. Yokoi, which is a nod to, uh, Yokoi Gunpy, who's the inventor of the Game Boy. Okay. Uh, and gotcha. he's in the lab and he's inventing a robot of his own and he's got a lab assistant. Um, and something goes terribly wrong and the lab assistant Gunpy gets, uh, uh, fused with, with this robot that they're building and he becomes the ultimate, uh, weapon against these communist robots he becomes rad raygun and that's who you play in the game and it's your job to you know blow through these uh communist robots and save the 80s so that's kind of the uh the gist of the game all right yeah and uh personally i I found that you nailed the 80s part uh pretty fantastically uh i was just playing it this morning um some more and i got past the third level and you go to berlin and Rad is like, you know, there's this giant wall in my way. And President Reagan is like, well, I guess we'll just have to reunite East and West Germany. And I literally laughed out loud. It was a good moment. <laughs> um, all right, so as far as uh, True Fun Entertainment goes, um, that is, is that just you or is that you and Chris Hernandez? Uh, it started with just me. Um, okay. Really, we've done a couple games together now, so uh, yeah, it's me and Chris Hernandez. Okay, uh, can you name off some of the other games that you guys have worked on? Uh, we did Bop and Pop, which is a uh, kind of a puzzle, 
kind of a puzzle game similar to Super Puzzle Fighter. Uh, it also is available for Xbox 360. Okay. And it's really, um, that's a project that I wrote like 10 years ago, and it's kind of, uh, I've rewritten it in several programming languages. It's almost my Hello World app for learning a new language. You know, I can I can write Bop and Pop in a few hours. Gotcha. Uh, so, but the 360 version was the first time I really fleshed it all out and built different modes of play up to four players can play it. And, uh, for the first time I needed real graphics. So I reached out to a coworker of mine, Chris Hernandez and said, Hey man, I've built a game, but I need some graphics. So he said, I'd love to do it. Um, and then shortly after Bop and Pop launched, you know, I kind of got the itch and I was like, you know, I want to make another game. And I really wanted to, to put something together that really meant something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when we started Rad Raygun. I kind of had the concept of, I reached out to him and I said, you know, I got this crazy idea about using the uh, the color palette of, and resolution of the Game Boy. And I know I want to make a side scroller, but I don't have any idea of the theme or anything like that. I was like, what do you think? Are you in? And, and he said, totally. So just ran from there. Well, awesome. Uh, obviously, you guys have a, uh, a deep, deep love for, for classic gaming, uh, as you just said. Uh, what Can you tell us... Um, some of those games that really inspired you? Uh, definitely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's obvious that there's a lot taken from Mega Man and mm-hmm. Red Raygun. Um, but just in general, like the classic games like Super Mario Brothers, you know, it's cliche, but to me, when still to this day, if I play Super Mario Brothers, I'm just amazed. It's like, how did they get it so right? You know, it's, it was built so long ago, yet... The play mechanics, the graphics, the sound, it's all perfect. So I am still in awe of that game, you know, when I play it. So, um, you know, and just in general, you know, growing up in the arcades, I, I liked games like, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat and uh, Killer Instinct and stuff. But mm-hmm. I've always kind of had an affinity for retro gaming. So even when I was playing those new cooler games, I still like to play Galaga and Tempest and those old retro games. Um so it's kind of cool to do an homage to those. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into gaming? Um, we've actually done a couple of different uh, episodes of the podcast where we talk to our writers, uh, and that's always a really fun story. What What is your earliest memory of video games? Uh, well, my older brother, my brother is 10 years older than me, so I can remember him playing Atari 2600. You know, when I was too mm-hmm. little to play, I, I would watch him play, you know, asteroids and missile command and all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, but my real the first console i had was the nes and playing mario and duck hunt and all that stuff so i was hooked as soon as uh as soon as i had that um i i tell you until uh just recently i've had just about every console out there including like the 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 rare ones like the 3do and the atari jaguar oh wow oh so impressive oh, yeah. <laughs> My wife and I have quite the collection of uh, Sega Master System games. That's actually kind of our oh. our thing. We collect those. It's they're rare games, and yeah. uh, you know, it, you can really come to appreciate those games when you when you go back and play them. It's really pretty amazing to to play those games that aren't mainstream and mm-hmm. some really good games out there. So that's that's great. Uh, so does your your wife play video games as well? Oh yeah, she's a okay. retro gamer as well. So oh, awesome. Her and I will you know geek out and play. A whole night of you know Sega games or <laughs> so, good times. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so did you go to school for, <clears throat> sorry, uh, did you go to school for video game design or is it more of a hobby? Uh, what's your interaction with that like? Originally, um, I got into programming because I wanted to make my own video games. And that's, you know, since I was like 12 or 13, I just remember not wanting anything for Christmas. I, all I wanted was knowledge. I just wanted to know how to make video games, you know, and, um, so that really got me into it, and uh, through college even, I was with the full intent that I was going learning programming so that I could make video games. Um, but, you know, I, I got a job in college that was doing uh, applications, and which wasn't video game development, but it was a programming job, and that kind of launched my career as an application developer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still have video game development as my hobby, so... Plus, I can I can build the games that I want to make, so um, it's fun. I, I have I finally have the knowledge to make my own games. Uh, now it's just finding the time, you know. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Uh, that actually kind of mirrors a story. Um, back in college, I had to do an interview with a um, company, High Res Studios, which is in Georgia. They're the ones that made the most recent Tribes game. Oh, cool. Um, but before those guys got into making video games, they spent, you know, the first like 15 years of their company making all these other software applications. I think for a while they were actually a really large distributor of software that runs on ATMs. Um, and so basically they just did that until they built up enough money that they could actually make their own game and not have to worry about, um, you know, signing on with a publisher and having kind of their rights to the game taken away and things like that. Uh, so you never know. Maybe you can make, you know, the next Tribes game or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, really, uh, that's actually, that's pretty inspiring. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, because, and I remember talking to the guy, He, um, his name escapes me right now. Uh, but he was saying that, you know, the reason that they got into the, uh, company was to make video games. It's just, it wasn't lucrative enough at that time. So they kind of went around about way. So best of luck in those endeavors. Well, uh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, um, what, what is your day job then? That's something I would like to know. Just what, what do you do when you're not actually making rad ray gun? A, uh, solutions architect for okay. a marketing agency. Uh, which basically means I build internal applications for the agency, um, things to manage people, uh, projects, things like that. So not nearly as much fun as uh, video game development, but it is, it's a programming job. So at this point, I was actually going to cut out some dialogue uh, because I was having some problems with my throat, uh, sore throat from being sick, uh, which I actually explain uh, in just a few moments. But I wanted to leave it in because it led to some pretty interesting dialogue, and I hope you enjoy it. So this is like the director's cut of the podcast. Woohoo. <clears throat> Let me get some water. I'm sorry. I had a really long work week, and last night when I got done, um, I got home and my body was just like, okay, that's enough. I'm going <laughs> to fall apart now. You've made it through the week. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I kind of did the same thing last night. I just crashed. So. <laughs> well, see, I, I should have just crashed. Instead, I actually... Um, uh, I downloaded Cities XL, which is a SimCity-like game, and with all the issues that SimCity has been having, I didn't actually pick it up, yeah. um, but I was interested in it, and I was like, well, I really want to play a SimCity game now, and found that for like 10 bucks, and I stayed up way too late doing that, and it was, 
is bad. Uh, <laughs> is SimCity still having all the server issues? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's not even available on Amazon right now to, to purchase. <laughs> I've actually heard that the actually the only people that can play it is those who have pirated it and have uh, you know pirate servers out there that you can actually play the game on. But the yeah. the retail version is you're you're you know out of luck. Yeah, and that's also I think that's just the U.S. Um, it launched later in the week in the U.K. Uh, and as far as I know, they're actually they're doing just fine. Yikes. You know, I have to say, um, and I'll admit, there are you know, some issues that come up here and there with Red Reagan, and, I, and it does make me feel a little better about myself when I see that the mainstream, the big boys, also run into issues. And I'm like, you know what, it's not just me. <laughs> so there's something to that. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine that, that would uh, help ease any pain of having something go wrong with your game. It's like, okay, it's me and one other guy. They exactly. have... You know, armies of people to throw at this game, and exactly. they still have problems. So, believe me, once you finally release it and you kind of let it go to the world, you just you think, oh my god, there's there's a million things that woulda, coulda, shoulda that I should have taken another hour to fix this or tweak mm-hmm. this, or you know, you kind of go into a spiral of self defeat. But you have to remind yourself, we've come a long way, and uh, you know, it's still pretty cool to uh, to accomplish what we did. So, oh, absolutely. I mean, this is. This is the first time in you know a good twenty years that two guys can come together and make a game and have it available for everyone to download. Um, you know, obviously, a long time ago, development teams were really small, yeah. um, but it's kind of swung back around now, allowing uh, people that have always wanted to be in video game development to actually be able to do it and not have to you know get signed on with Activision or Microsoft or Sony or whoever. Yeah. It's an exciting time indeed. Um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the questions that I had was actually, uh, why go with Game Boy? Um, obviously, you were inspired very heavily by Mega Man, um, but why, why go with the Game Boy aesthetic? Basically, um, my vision was to make something that was over-the-top retro. And um, originally, when I, when I you know, conceived the game in my head, I kind of... I was thinking like a 16-bit graphics kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was like, "No, that that's not in your face enough." So then I went to like NES style, so like 8-bit, um, you know, uh, where it's a limited color palette. But then I was like, "You know what? I, I'm just keep." I kept boiling it down to simplest terms, and uh, when I had the idea of the Game Boy, I was like, "Man, this is going to be something different that not everybody's doing." So. Uh, and I thought it would be an interesting challenge to say, you know, when I reached out to Chris Hernandez and said, do you want to do artwork? And I said, but here's the catch. Uh, you only got four colors to work with. So I was intrigued just by the idea. It excited me. So I thought to, to see that come to life would really be uh, pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so what is it like designing a game uh, that's intentionally retro? Uh, obviously, when a game like Rad Ray Gun would have originally come out. You know, they're just working with what they have. Um, what What are some of the difficulties in kind of limiting yourself to that set of tools? Yeah, believe me, there was several times where uh, you know, and and I was online uh, documenting the development process, like on Twitter and and YouTube, and people would reach out and say, you know, this is pretty cool, but why not add some cool like 3D effects or something like that and 
particle, you know, effects and stuff like that. So, and I had to fight really hard and, and tell myself, no, we're really going retro with this. We have to stay true to it. So I caught myself I, I, several times to, to really keep, you know, uh, scaling things back and remember that let's stay true to it because most retro style games that you see today still have um, elements of games that you see uh, mm-hmm. recently. So uh, it was kind of a, a constant battle of, man, if I if I give it some 3D backgrounds or we did some really cool particle effects, it would really make the game pop. Um, but I had to, you know, kind of uh, calm myself down and remind myself that let's stay true to it, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, and it also helped to uh, to have uh, those other games as a reference. Like, you know, I downloaded the the Game Boy version of Mega Man, the ROM, mm-hmm. and played that a lot. So the fact that I could hop into that and, and play it as a kind of a guide for the game, it, it kind of kept, kept me within a box that I could explore in. So, Is that uh, Dr. Wily's Revenge? Is that what that one was? Uh, I, I think it was just like Mega Man... There were several Mega Mans for the Game Boy. I don't remember the subtitle, but I think it was like Mega Man 3 or Mega Man 5, something like that. Okay. So So I've I've got one for the Game Boy, and it's, uh, I remember it being Dr. Wily's Revenge. Haven't played it in, you know, God knows how long. Uh (laughs) I was actually, I was actually able to use those graphics from that game. If you look at my early YouTube videos where I Mm -hmm. talk about the game process, the first thing I built was the level editor so that we could actually, um, create these maps um and it wasn't me having to hard code the maps i could give the editor to chris hernandez and he was able to you know have creative freedom with these maps and and build them as he saw so um i built it in such a way that the tile maps could be just dropped on the on uh you know on the file system and he could create those and edit them and they would import into the editor um so he had the freedom to kind of build the levels as he saw. And uh, anyways, uh, I used the graphics as Mega Man uh, as a start. And so I had to have something as a placeholder, and uh, that Game Boy version of Mega Man was a, a good place to start. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so what, what were some of the other challenges that you faced? Any uh, that kind of stand out as being triumphant victories or things that you had to cut in the game? Um. Well, as far as like the uh, the biggest, there were a couple letdowns through the process. Uh, the first that we ran into, um, first off, with XNA, you develop um, in Visual Studio on the PC, and you get a PC build of the game. And for months, I'd say probably six months, I was developing exclusively on the PC version. So I hadn't actually played it on the 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had the experience in the past with it, so I knew it would run over there. I didn't really worry about testing it on 360 as much as just getting the game, you know, prepared on the PC version. So, anyway, I finally finished up the first level uh, to a point where it was playable. And I finally loaded it up on the 360 to get ready to play the game. And it took five minutes for the game to load. So, I'm like, yikes. So, um, I knew we had big issues with the engine itself. Um, and I went back and I had to basically gut all of the code uh, for the tile map, uh, the way the tile map worked in the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, do some serious optimization. So I finally got that back up and running. And, 
you know, got the load times down to a few seconds from, from five minutes to a few seconds. So that was, that was a big undertaking in the middle of our uh, development process. Mm-hmm. Um, the next big uh, letdown was, you know, once I knew it was running on the 360, uh, it was back to the PC version for the, re- for the remainder of the game. Um, and then towards the end, we were just so close that we were just churning, 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 trying to finish this game. Um, and we played through it, tested it. Everything ran great on the PC. And again, we got ready to deploy to the 360. Um, and again, major issues with uh, frame rate this time. The load times weren't so bad, but the frame rate was just really chuggy. Hmm. So I had to do some research, and I found out that uh, we had some memory issues that I had to resolve. And and all this was taking place literally like a week before launch. Like I oh, was, wow. I was devastated. Like we had spent two years developing this game, and all this work, all the the nights and weekends, and and all this work, um, I was like, are we even going to be able to launch this thing? Because we got serious frame rate issues. So. Um, after pounding my head against the wall for several hours and checking out the uh, the memory management tool uh, for like the hundredth time, I finally saw um, that there was an issue with the way the maps were loading in, and uh, like literally like a ten minute fix, and all of our frame rate issues were resolved. So that was a huge relief, and oh, that yeah. we still launched the game on time. So went from. Uh, you know, anyways, I, I went from completely uh, depressed that I had wasted two years to complete flight, so it was awesome. <laughs> uh, what actual programs did you use to uh, to develop Rad Ray Gun? Uh, we used a couple. We used, well, Visual Studio and XNA to uh, do the, the code and development. Um, we used a program called Sprite Buddy for the graphics and animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it, la- it allowed uh, Chris to create all the sprite graphics on his own and import them into Sprite Buddy, and you can uh, select your each frame of animation and uh, do all the timing for that animation, uh, and then it exports a file that I can import into the game. So he was able to develop all the character animations, all the boss animations, and do all that separately, and then send it over to me as a package to where I got the sprite graphics. Uh, and an XML file that had all the animations laid out that I could just import directly. So it, it worked well, and we kind of did parallel development. He could do the levels, the characters, the animations on his end, and I could do the level editor and the game engine on my side, and then we kind of came together, and we would just do iterative uh, builds of the game from there. So Okay. Um, now, you mentioned uh, you know it was just a couple of weeks before the game uh, launched on Xbox Live Indie Games. Um, you can you hear a lot of horror stories about Xbox Live Indie Games and Xbox Live Arcade as well with kind of certification stuff, uh, but you don't really ever get to hear anyone really talk about the process. Can you explain a little bit what that's like? Yeah, so uh, the Xbox Live, uh, the indie game portion of it, basically, um, if you're a member of the Creators Club, uh, you then can review other... Uh, developers games and that's how you're able to go to market is enough of your peers have to approve your game so um, and we did we went through probably three weeks of peer review with Rad Raygun where you submit it um, they'll give you a report of what they like what they didn't like any um, 
bugs in the game, you know, like a hard crash. If if your game just crashes, then that's an automatic fail. And if you get like two fails, then you're out for another week. Then you have to wait seven days before you can resubmit. So I uh, went through a couple rounds of that to where people were finding bugs here and there, and they'd give their feedback on the game. Um, and you can submit for playtesting so that they can test it and give their feedback. Mm-hmm. And finally, probably after three or four uh, submissions to peer review, uh, we finally got a pass. So that was a good feeling. I can imagine. Um, so besides uh, character story, the throwback, uh, one of the things that's actually been um, in a lot of reviews of the game is the soundtrack. People kind of praising that. Uh, what was it like working with, uh, I'm not even sure how to pronounce the Phantom? Phantom and K? Phantom and K, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, a couple years before I started the project, actually, I was introduced to this cool thing called chiptunes. Mm-hmm. And believe me, like... As I've said, I, I'm a total lover of retro games. So hearing that for the first time, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, so just at work, you know, working away, I'd be listening to the chiptunes as I work. So I had already kind of developed a love for it. Um, and when I was putting together my ideas for for this game, I was like, man, it'd be really cool if we could have a chiptune soundtrack to this as well. Mm-hmm. And also going in, I knew that um, I was serious about this game being um, original and, and just quality. And to do that, I had to give up certain responsibilities in the game. For example, I knew that I was in charge of programming. Um, I didn't try to tackle the artwork, so I found an artist to do my artwork. Mm-hmm. And then sound is another thing that had always been lacking from my little you know side projects that I put together. So I'm like, for the first time, I'm actually going to go out and hire a sound guy and get it right. So we went out to – Chris Hernandez and I went out to uh, a site called 8-Bit Collective, um, and it's a chiptune kind of community site. And we listened to a ton of chiptune sounds and, and artists out there. And uh, we both kind of came to agree that Phantom and K was, was the best of the best. And we're like, all right, this is the guy we liked. We listened to all of his albums, all of his songs, and reached out to him, told him our concept. And uh, he immediately wrote back and said he was – he was on, on board, so uh, we really lucked out that we got our first choice. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool that once we – we kind of didn't even realize what we had once we had it. Like he had signed up for the game, and then we kind of went and did more research on him. And it's like, wow, this guy is really, really popular. He has a good internet following, and uh, we felt really honored to have him on the game. So the fact that he produced original – he created nine songs just for Rad Raygun. So uh, the fact that he did that for us really meant a lot. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, that has definitely been one of the uh, the aspects of the game that I've I've really enjoyed. Uh, it's uh, it's just full of '80s goodness. Uh. <laughs> well, and believe me, it was it was pretty cool to uh, have that as kind of a because uh, he was done with the music long before we were done with the game. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool to use that as our inspiration almost. So even driving the car just to hear the Rad Raygun theme song as I drove home, you know, from work was an inspiration or while I'm developing, listen to that soundtrack in the background. It, it, it was pretty cool and it kept us motivated. So. Awesome. Well, uh, so the game you said has been in development for quite a while. How long has it actually, have you been working on it? Uh, two years, just, okay. just two years, about two years and two months. So. Okay. Well, 
how does it feel to have it done? I mean, that's that's a pretty long development cycle, and it, it's it's done. It's out there in the wild. How how does that? Uh, it feels amazing. I, I can't even describe it because I mean, it's it's really a long journey. And uh, believe me, I mean, programming video games is something I've wanted to do my whole life. And in fact, I've started several gaming projects, and I have abandonware all over the place. That's you know. Uh, Games that I thought would be really cool, and I start, and I do like, you know, I work on them for a month and just kind of lose interest. So the mm-hmm. fact that I was able to stick with it for two years and actually deliver uh, really meant a lot. Um, at work, we were uh, told a speech that actually uh, Steve Jobs did um, when they were developing the original Macintosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were behind, they were uh, late on their delivery date. Steve Jobs right, walks in the room and writes three words on the board. He said, real artist ship. And essentially saying that, um, sure, there's a, a lot of great artwork out there, but no one sees it. Nobody can ex- no one can experience it unless you ship. Unless you mm-hmm. deliver the game, nobody's going to see it. So those three words were echoing through my head as we were uh, developing this game that really towards the end of it, when it was just the real sprint to the finish, I just kept echoing those words, real artist ship. We have to finish this game. So uh, that was really a driving force in in making sure that we actually uh, had something to show for all of our work. That's that's a really good quote right there. <laughs> Believe me, uh, and I wish, it, I wish I had thought of it, but that's Steve Jobs. It's, it's very inspirational to me. Well, good deal. Um, so what has the response been from... Uh... From media, obviously, uh, John really liked it. He gave it a he gave it four and a half stars out of five. So, um, they've been really uh, really receptive to it. I've had some really nice reviews out there, and, and it's really cool to see um, the reviewers who get it. You know, they understand um, kind of that it's it's meant to be a laid back, uh, fun game, just a, a trip down memory lane. You know. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really it means a lot to me to read those reviews of those that just get it. Um, but again, overall, great feedback, you know. And and it all seems to be that people love the nostalgic feel of it. Uh, they love the the gameplay and the music. So all of it is just amazing. I'm still just kind of trying to sit back and take it all in. So yeah. Um, so, uh, another question I had about Xbox Live Indie Games is, why? Uh, a lot of games seem to get a little more, kind of, presence on something like Steam. Uh, why choose Xbox Live Indie Games over, over something like that? Well, I think it has to do with, uh, kind of my roots in gaming. Um, I've made games up for the last 15 years on my PC, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's kind of the, the the format I'm used to making games on. Um, and the time at the time when I was developing like Bop and Pop for the 360, Steam hadn't really taken off yet. Right. Um, so I didn't really see that as a, uh, as a, you know, an avenue to go down. But with, uh, with X and A, actually being able to develop something on a console was, was amazing to me. So the fact that I could finally be a console developer, um, Man, I, I jumped at that opportunity as soon as I heard about it. So, gotcha. Uh, so, do you think we might see a Steam version or something like that? 
It is definitely a possibility. Like as I as I mentioned, uh, with XNA, you get a PC build of the game. Um, mm-hmm. Still need to be tweaked and kind of made to work with like a joystick, and uh, all of the references to Xbox buttons would have to be switched out. Um, right. Essentially, the game is done on the PC as well. So, cool. Um, the uh, I've I've kind of done some research on Steam Greenlight, where you can submit mm-hmm. for review, and then if enough people approve it, then you can then release your uh, your indie game on Steam. So um, I will probably be submitting it for review uh, in the coming weeks. So oh, I, awesome. Believe me, every place I've uh, submitted my uh, my review or uh, a video of the game, people comment, where's the PC version? Where's the PC version? So I think I need to listen to my fans and, and just get it done. So That's, that's awesome. Uh, so I've got to ask, when are we going to see Rad Ray Gun 2 with Virtual Boy style graphics? <laughs> hey, don't spoil the ending. <laughs> uh, um, that, that, believe me, it's, that's definitely where I want to go with it. Um, I have some ideas of how the, uh, the series should learn and it, it should grow with each new uh, version. Mm-hmm. In the sequel, I have all kinds of ideas. Um, it will happen someday. I, I have to uh, take a break and focus on family a little bit, um, but I'm still the gears are still churning. So I have all kinds of cool ideas, and believe me, um, even today I was playing some some old games like on the Wii, some virtual console games, and just getting ideas. So um, the next iteration of, of Rad Reagan will be an upgrade from the Game Boy, and uh, upgrading the graphics um, and the gameplay. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, so is there anything next on the horizon for, for True Fun? Uh, you think Rad Ray Gun is, or another Rad Ray Gun is next, or you might do something else, or is it just family time with your, uh, you said it was son, correct? Uh, yes, just, I have a daughter yeah. and son. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, family time is always uh, going to be there. So uh, <laughs> these projects are my hobby, and I kind of spend whatever time I can. Um, but as far as the next game, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. It would be kind of cool just to kind of try out a different platform, like doing something for Android. But Mm -hmm. then, and I know, uh, I've gotten such a great response with Rad Raygun that we might just have to jump into a sequel. So (laughs) you never know. Hey, well, I mean, that's always a good thing to get such positive feedback that you want to do a sequel next. Absolutely. Uh and, and I can tell you, like, game development has always been a passion of mine since I was a kid, so I'm not going anywhere. I will continue to develop games for the rest of my life. And uh, it's obvious that uh, Rad Raygun has cemented a part, you know, cemented itself uh, into my heart, so I will definitely develop another one. Well, that sounds fantastic. I've got one last bonus question for you, um, and that is with the success of Rad Raygun and potential further success of it um do you see yourself ever being able to do this full-time is is that a, is that a goal or is it uh just want to keep it a hobby so that it stays fun <laughs> uh and that, i think that's it i think uh i believe me i would love to um but i i don't know that it makes total financial sense to to jump careers like that mm-hmm. um, but 
you know, keeping it as a hobby is definitely the plan for now. Uh, the fact that I can do it on my terms, I can develop the games that I want to develop. You know, get just for example, getting Rad Raygun through a big shop would never happen. You right. know, they want cool graphics, multiplayer, whatever. And and I was able to stay true to my vision. So, mm-hmm. in order to do that, I think uh, keeping uh, as an indie guy would probably be my best option. Well, awesome. Uh, well, thank you very much for, for being on the Darkcast. Really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, for our listeners, if you want to find out more about Rad Raygun, there will be links to John Fisco's review of it on Dark Station. You can also check out radraygun.com. Uh, you can even follow uh, Chris on Twitter at TrueFun202. And then I'll have several other links on the page where you can go straight to the game on Xbox and as, as well as the uh, Twitter account for Phantom and K. Uh, Thank you again for being on. Really enjoyed having you and uh, look forward to what's next. Awesome, guys. Well, I really appreciate the time. 